At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Through this three-week series, we're turning to the biblical book of Isaiah to discover how God's holiness, forgiveness, and love compel us to share Him with others. We'll come face-to-face with whatever's keeping us from answering God's call as Isaiah did. Send me. Well, good morning, Woodside Romeo. It is great to be in the house of the Lord. I'm Chaplain Travis Jewell. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Woodside, uh, and I love the fact to get to share in God's words what he's doing. And uh, I mean, I don't know about you, but wow, um, last week, holy smokes, like uh, if that doesn't get you going, your wood's all wet, as my grandpa would used to say. And uh, I say a lot of things about my grandpa. My grandpa uh, said a lot of really neat things. And uh, as you, um, you know, it's like, you know, where do you go after Easter? Where do you go after the Resurrection Sunday? Well, we, we already have the packet that we're going to be in a new series for the next three weeks in Isaiah called Send Me. And so if you go ahead and have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Isaiah chapter 6 of the Old Testament. Um, I would say almost about halfway in your Bible, depending on what translation you're using. But um, we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 6 for today. And as you're turning there, and I'm turning there also, um, couple things to think about. Now, you're thinking, why? You sound so deep in your voice like Barry White. It's, all, it's like, welcome to Michigan, right? It's like snowing last Monday as I'm going to D.C. for Coast Guard training for Chapel Corps, and then all of a sudden, it's like 72 and 80, or 80 yesterday. If you don't like it, just wait till tomorrow, it'll change, right? That's welcome to Michigan. And so, um, for a lot of us dealing with allergies, it's very, I've had a lot of hot tea. I've probably drank gallons of tea, so I thank my lovely wife because she, she's into all that, and she helps me try to like you got to get your throat good because you're going to talk for a couple hours. And, uh, but I love this new series because for those of you who grew up in church, and you may have heard this before, and for those of you who have not, if you're watching right now online, we welcome you whether you're checking out with us on Facebook. This is your first time welcome. It's always great to see new faces. And I don't know about you, the last couple weeks, man, it has been crazy. We were packed down on Friday night for Good Friday. We were packed for Saturday and packed on Sunday. It was a, it's, that's a good problem to have. That's a good problem to have. And as we continue praying about what God wants us to do, not only here in our community, but as we're going to be hopefully sending missionaries out. And here's the thing. All Christians, we are called to be missionaries, whether it's to places like Ecuador, right, where we're going to be going this fall with, with our, or here in uh, our own backyard here in Detroit, or here in our own backyard here in Woodside, Romeo area, right? Or even your PTA line. I mean, that could be a hostile takeover right there in itself, right? The, you know, the carpool line. Those areas where you're like, you know, in my work, do people know that I'm a Christian in my job? Do people know that they're a Christian in my neighborhood, right? So you could be a missionary in your school, on the bus, on the soccer field, Wherever you're at, God is going to use you with the gifts and abilities that he's given you for his glory and others' good. As we see right here with Isaiah, he's just going to church. He's just going to the temple, just like you are right here. You're just going. You're coming. Hey, it's the thing to do, right? You come after Easter, and somebody invited me, and we're coming. And many times, I think God is wanting to do something in us when we least expect it. He's wanting to shake us to our foundation. So I want to ask you two questions. When was the last time you were shaken by God? We just sing about the goodness of God. You, you, your goodness keeps running after me. And, and as a result of that shaking, 
Where is God sending me as a result? So ask yourself, like, where is God sending me? And I hope to kind of unpack that and hopefully figure out where, you, where we, we fit in that equation. Whether you're a kid this morning or an adult, we all have a mission. Because God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. And so, you know, I don't know, we, we, this is a brand new addition uh, we've had on here. It's beautiful. And for those of you who have been here for many years, you've seen kind of the transitions and how God has just, just continued to bless and flex his muscles. But look, I mean, we're pretty, look around, it's pretty full right now, right? And one of my prayers is that for 2022 is that we would not only continue to increase our seeding capacity like we did last year, but that we would continue to com- increase our sending capacity. That's what we're talking about. Every single one of us, God wants to send us to point people to the hope found in Christ. To make much of his name. You see, when we see and experience the glory of God, we're going to talk about it. You're going to hear me use the word glory a lot. You're like, okay, what does that mean? Hang tight. Just kind of put that in the back of your brain. We're going to talk about what that word means, glory. Because it's a church word we use a lot. We sing about it. But do we really understand its context and what it really means? Because when we see and experience the glory of God, the reality of who he is and who he wants to be in our life, it changes everything. And for many of you sitting here, you have been changed by the power of the gospel. Amen? Amen. And that ch- it should do something within you. Here's the problem. We are so easily distracted. Let's raise your hand. You know, well, show of hands. How many of us sometimes get easily distracted? Yeah. I'm distracted right now just because you said that, right? <laughs> and so I'm thinking about, I'm just like bird, squirrel, right? And so and, and just, we, we, we live in that kind of environment, right? There are so many competing voices that are trying to get your eyes off of the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, and on your circumstances, right? Because happiness, the world says, you just need to be happy. Well, happiness is often built around happenings, circumstances. The joy of the Lord is my strength, not the joy of my circumstances. And right here, we're going to see that there are so many things that say, hey, you can go to church, that's cool, but you need to have this and that and this, because really what you're trying to do is fill this void with you know, happiness. And there's so many competing voices. Be this, act this, say this, do this, look like this. Even right now you're thinking, what do I want to eat for lunch after this, right? What do I want to, you know, um, my favorite show that I missed this week, I want to binge watch this afternoon. It's really nice. I really like to go to the park because I haven't seen sun in three months, you know, and it's like 72 or 80 and I want to go outside and just get some vitamin D, amen? amen? And there's nothing wrong with that because that's God's creation. But for these next 25 minutes, I want to kind of get your hearts. What does it mean to be shaken by God? We're starting a new series of God calls and compels us to go into the world to be his people. We're going to be looking at Isaiah 6, 1 through 4 today, where Isaiah kind of gets to peek into the throne room of God and see the glory, there's that word again, and the majesty of God, the creator of the universe. He is going to be shaken by God to his core. Remember my first question? When was the last time you were shaken by God? Our desire is that after getting a picture of the glory of God, and it's number three now, you're going to keep hearing me say this, and you're like, what does he mean by that? That we will be shaken, and the response, because the gospel always demands a response. Like Isaiah says in verse 8, 
Here I am, send me. We'll get to that eventually in the series. We're kind of setting the stage right now. So really, what is the big idea? Where are, we, where are we landing the planet? Well, if you have your worship handout, the big idea is that God's glory compels us to go. We can't just sit, soak, and sour. When looking at Isaiah 6, 1 through 4, we get a picture of the glory of God. Now, now like Isaiah, we want to see God for who he really is. The world has a kind of image of who God is. Uh, and, 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 and many, many churches have opinions and religions. But what does God's word say? Who is God? And what does that reality look like? What do you do when you see God for who he really is? If you're taking notes, number one, when you see God for who he really is, you see God's holiness. You see God's holiness. Another way to say this is that you see the glory of God. Okay? Look at, look at, look at, look at Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, now, we're going to stop there. That's a weird place to stop. Why, why would I want to stop there? Well, one of the things I love about God's word is that it is about real people. It's not just a made-up fairy tale. King Uzziah was a real king around 740 uh, B.C. He's, this is probably around 50, 52 years now in his reign. And he is, started off as a pretty good king. Kind of got a little wonky there toward the end, a little, little because he got let the pride of his the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, get to his heart. And, and it's interesting, 2 Chronicles 26, 16 says that when Uzziah was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. Now, why do I mention that? He was unfaithful to God. And, of course, he led a lot of the Israelites astray. And God's mercy kind of drew toward that kind of, remember that severe mercy we talked about back in Jonah a few weeks ago, Right? There was some severe mercy, and he moved toward discipline. And Isaiah wants us to know that in this vision, he sees God. And that whether it's kings or leaders or prime ministers or presidents, they will come and go and come and go and change and change and change. But the king of the universe never changes, amen? And I want to give you some encouragement because 100 years from now, 2122, we're, we're all going to be gone. And whoever's leading us is going to be gone. All the people that are influenced are going to be gone. But God remains the same. That's something for us to know about. This is a reminder that while earthly kings come and go, the glory, the weightiness, we're going to talk about what this means, goes forever. Let's keep on going here. So Isaiah uh, chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord lifted up, uh, saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him, verse 2, stood the seraphim. Now, if, you're a Bible, if you've read the Bible before, you've probably read this before, or maybe not. You're like, what is a seraphim? Well, I got to say that Hallmark hasn't really done us a lot of favors. They've kind of done a little, they kind of crushed our hopes and dreams because seraphim are not the little chubby little fat kids that shoot the bone arrows with the pantene hair. Um, they, they're not that, right? Um, literally, the word seraphim means burning one. Wow, that's kind of intense. Burning one. And so literally, the, what we're going to read here in a little bit is when these seraphim, these angelic beings speak, they literally shake the foundation of the temple. The closest thing that I can think to that, <clears throat> I work with the Coast Guard, and I've got a lot of places that I cover. One of the places is my main office is at Selfridge Air National Guard Base, where we have the A-10 Warthogs, right? 
You ever seen it? I live out near Memphis, and sometimes they like to fly around and turn around by my house. Now, if you've ever been around air uh, jets before, um, they can get pretty intense. And they'll see the fire coming, and it's just like, it'll just shake your whole body, shake the house. Uh, when I was uh, on my last deployment, we were escorting the uh, LHD, a big landing heavy deck, a Marine amphib called the Essex going through the Straits of Hormuz. And right before that, um, we had uh, some opportunities to see their Harrier jets do some training. And have you ever seen the Harrier jets, the ones like, you know, that, that they, can, they can hover and they can kind of go out, kind of like the Ospreys. It's pretty cool, actually. And they would do these flybys by our destroyer. And they would get really, really close. Like, it would shake your body. That's kind of what I think about when these seraphim are, are speaking and Isaiah's there witnessing this take place. Each had six wings, verse 2. And, and, and with two he covered his face, and two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. Now think about this. These are sinless beings. They're not, they're not angel. I mean, they're, they're angelic beings. And so, they, I mean, so here they are, but yet they cannot see God. For who he is, because his, his holiness is so great. Think about that for a second. And, and even in their sinners, they still cannot see the perfect, holy face of God. In verse 3, one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with glory. We sing lots of songs. There's a good Chris Thomas song that sings about that. Holy is the Lord, God Almighty. A lot of great songs that come out of this passage right here. And you may have grew up in church and you've sang, holy, holy, holy. But I want to pump the brakes for a second. I want to talk about what does that mean? What does holy, holy, holy mean? Why do we see, you know, um, why do we see this mentioned three times? Well, because when you see God for who he really is, it will shake you and you, it will cause you to pump your brakes in your life. Like, whoa, I don't want to miss this. And the seraphim are realizing this, and Isaiah is getting a quick glimpse of this. You know the first thing you do when you see God for who he really is? You worship. The Bible says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Because one day you will either bow or you will bow. You either bow voluntarily or we will bow. Because once we see him for who he is, well, I'm going to tell God about this, this, and this, and this. Brother, you ain't going to tell him jack squat. You're going to be getting on your knees and singing, holy, 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 right? This ain't no negotiation. Because when we see God for who he is, it wrecks us. It shakes us. Something inside is shaken. And you can't fake that. It's raw. So when, when they worship God by saying, holy, 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 why did the angels repeat that three times? You ever wonder that? So I did a little digging. I did a little research. Why is that? Well, it's interesting because when the Bible repeats itself, it's kind of like saying uh, the closest thing I could see was when uh, Joseph, who had the many brothers, the coat of many colors, he gets thrown into the pit, right, to be sold off into slavery, and then eventually he goes and he helps the nation of Israel through a very severe famine. Uh, that particular Joseph in Genesis, the Bible says that he was thrown into a very deep pit or a very large pit. And that's our English translation. The Hebrew actually says that Joseph was thrown into a pit pit. Right? That's the literal Hebrew word because it's, it's trying to describe the, the extent of how deep and how large this pit was. This is the same thing right here. Now, Holiness means to be set apart, right? And God is not just set apart, 
but he is holy. It's, it's, it's what's happening is the, um, Isaiah's trying to expound our understanding of how great and holy God is. He's not just holy. He's not just holy, holy. He is holy, holy, holy. I want you to think about that. It's not like the word for when Moses was standing before the burning bush. He says, take off your shoes before the ground that you're on is holy ground. That's, it's not the same where Abraham was getting ready to have the, this, this Abrahamic covenant, this holy covenant before God. This is something different. And what, is, what we're seeing is there is no one like God, period. He is not one of many gods. There is only one name under heaven by which we could be saved, period. And when you see God for who he really is in his glory, it changes everything about everything. Here's a simpler way to put it. God is the most real reality of all of your realities. Think about that. God is the most real reality of all your realities. And this word glory, number five, you know, ming, 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 you've been saying this word glory a lot, chaps, what's going on? That literally means heavy or weighty. If I had a big body of water right here, right? <clears throat> um, have, have you seen those uh, uh, baptism videos where the kid jumps in the baptism pool? And then it does a, I, mean, I thought that, you know, I think about that like, I, it's never happened to me, Pastor Billy, but uh, I don't know if you've ever had that happen to you either. Somebody just, jump, that, just, just diving in and doing a big belly flop right in the <laughs> baptismal pool. But what's happening is, it's very entertaining, but what happened is, this object is heavy and it's displacing everything around it. When God enters our life, he displaces everything else around because he is the greatest, he is the heaviest, he is the weightiest. God is the most real reality of all of our realities. Uh, you know, it's almost be like a meteor hitting the earth, right? Hopefully that never happens, right? We watch a lot of movies, right? All those kind of things. Moonfall, I just watched that newest one. I was like, oh, I hope that never happens, right? But, you know, you think about that. This, this heavy object coming to earth, and it causes the earth to shake, and it displaces everything. That's the picture of God's glory. He's heavier. He's greater. He's bigger than any kind of concept you can mind in your mind. You see, God is not just a concept. He is real. And that's where the world says, you know what? Go, to, go do your worship. Go, go worship your God. You see all the suffering in this world? How can a good, loving God allow all this to happen? Because if he really loved you, he wouldn't let this happen. And here's Isaiah. He's just going to the temple. Just like we are here today going to church. And, and, and he's seeing this glimpse here. The angels are saying, hey, when you behold the glory of God, God lands in such a way that he disperses everything else in our life. He wrecks us. He, he flips us upside down. And then Isaiah goes to verse 4, and the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. This is intense. This is heavy. It's like, whoa, man, this is like something out of a movie. Woodside Romeo, I've asked you this now twice. When was the last time you were shaken by God? When was the last time the foundations of your life were shaken by God because of the glory of who he is? 
this really kind of wrecked me a lot because I, for those of you who, maybe who grew up in church, it's easy to get desensitized. It's easy to what I would call cultural Christianity. So you see, there's a big difference between, I believe that God exists, and don't forget James's half-brother Jesus, uh, James, oh, Jesus's half-brother James says that the demons even believe in Satan and shudder. So it's not just a belief in God, it's a surrender to his will. It's a submission to his authority in your life. Because Jesus not only is your Savior, he is also your Lord. And when someone is your Lord, you are under his authority. And we don't like to hear that word. Ooh, ain't nobody going to tell me what to do because I'm going to do what I want, what I want, with who I want. You know what we call that in our culture? Hook up, shack up, break up. I know I'm stepping on some toes here. We're going to step on all kinds of toes today. That's why I just kind of come as I go because he says, you know, give me those uncomfortable pastors, Pastor Billy. That's what it is, so. There's a difference in between believing that God exists and through that compelling me to live differently because of that truth. There's a, when we see God for who he is, my life should never be the same. Your life should never be the same. And for many of you, it has. You can go back to that moment and you can see all these moments in time where God has put people and places and things to point you back to the hope of Christ. Because we're prone to wander, we're prone to be distracted. We're prone to wander from the God that we love. And, and even when we're just going to church and just doing our thing. However, when we, we move from that concept of God, that I believe that there's like a theological reality in my mind, what we're really saying is, God, you're greater than anything in my life. I don't always understand you. I don't always really like everything you do, but I'm trusting you. And I'm surrendering, not my will, but your will be done. And that's daily, picking up my cross, denying myself and surrendering and preaching the gospel to myself every day. Because what happens is, when I make the world around me that truth is relative to what I see it look as, instead of God being the one truth, the way, the truth, and life, I can make up all kinds of justifications. I'm going to do what I want, with who I want, when I want. right? And that's American Christianity, folks. You show up to church a couple times a month, depending on the, maybe your sports schedule or over your business schedule. I'm stepping on my toes, too, because, I mean, we all travel. I'm, I'm speaking to myself here because I, I, I am this. I believe this is God. I don't want to go to hell. Forever is a long time, and I don't want to burn there. Right? So I want my ticket into heaven. I pray a prayer. I walk down the aisle. I get a baptized. Fill out a card. But in the meantime, when I get there, I want to do what I want, what I want, with who I want. It's going to be okay, baby, because God grades on a curve. You'll go to hell. Because one day, we're going to be standing before him. And I pray that never happens. He's going to say, Lord, I did all these things in your name. He's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. That's the stuff that keeps me up at night. You can believe all the right things about God, but have never been shaken by him. My prayer for us today is that we would meet God, period. Because when, you, when we come into that relationship with God through, by faith in Christ, we get God, period. My question is, is he enough? Is he enough? I mean, Isaiah's just going to the temple like many of us. It's just an ordinary day. And God has something heavier and weightier for you right now. 
God, I mean, Isaiah wasn't expecting anything. He was just going through the motions. Raise up, stand down, do the prayers. Bada bing, bada boom, I'm going to go back and see my family. And maybe that's where you're at right now. We see, we go to church. Hey, I'm going to see my buddies, my pals. That's great. I love community. I'm all about it. We're in life groups, men's groups, all kinds of stuff. That's great. That is biblical. I hope they play my favorite song. And man, I wish they had that person singing because I really like the way they sing, the way the other person doesn't sing. But that's a, that's a personal preference. Oh man, I wish we sang more hymns. Man, I just grew up singing these hymns. They're so good. What's, what's, what am I doing? I'm making it about me and my wants and my desires. Please hear me, Romeo. Don't just show up in the presence of God and not be shaken. Because one day, he's going to shake us all. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And I pray that we're on that right side. So let me ask you, how do you see God when you come to corporate worship? How are you seeing him right now? I'm feeling pretty beat up right now, Travis. I'm feeling pretty, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm getting my toes kind of stepped on right now. I'm thinking, I don't know if I want to come back no more, right? You see, when we see him as big and beautiful and majestic and sovereign, all-knowing, all these different attributes. There's lots of attributes of God. Right? Or do I see him as something else? Do I see him as a means to my end? God will not be your idol- as a means to your idolatry. He will not. And, and how we see God right now, how you see God, will determine how you respond to him. How you see God will determine how, how, how's that going to impact you. Well, that was good. I got my toes stepped on. I'm going to go and eat my food and do my thing this afternoon. I'm going to go fishing. That's cool. You can do that. But hopefully God has done something inside your heart. You see, when we see God as small, we're going to offer small prayers to him. When we see God as big, we're going to offer big prayers to him because he's either all God or he's not. He's either in all control or he's not. And what happens is we pick and choose. Well, I kind of like this part of the Bible, but I don't like this. Because I don't really necessarily agree with it. And so we pick and choose. The Bible is not a buffet at home. Okay, it's not. You can't just pick and choose what you want. It's either you take it all or you don't take it at all. And that's hard because it's, it, there's things in the Bible that I don't necessarily agree with. And I don't understand. But I trust by faith that it's his will. And he knows better, not me. Because I'm finite. I'm human. I'm trying to bring the infinite knowledge of God into my finite mind. I can't do that. I will screw it up every single time. My prayer is that you would be shaken to your core and you would know that God is wanting to do something in you to send you out to your school, to your family. I know some of you have people in your family that are not Christians. I know. I have family of my own. Remember I told you the story about my sister, right, uh, who's in, down in Texas, the rehab place? We're going to visit her next weekend. And, and she's, we were going to surprise her, but we, she, she's been struggling a little bit, so we, we called her up, and, and it just lifted her spirits. So my wife and I missed her going down to visit my sister down in the Drug Rehabilitation Center down in Dallas next weekend. So we won't be here, so pray for us. But I mean, the, we all know people in our family that need the hope of Christ, amen? amen. Because family, it's hard. It's messy. It's easy to put on a good front here, but when you go back home, it's hard to be that husband. It's hard to be that father because they see the real you. 
call you on the carpet. And you're like, why even try? Because his mercies are new every day. And Isaiah is going to see this here in just a second in his own life. So when we see the glory of God as a vision for the church, we, we start worshiping the right way. Not just from a, a sense of pride and checking the box, but there's a sense of humility like, I am so thankful, God, that you love me in spite of my ugliness, in spite of my sinfulness. I'm a hot mess, yet you still love me anyway. And you died for me. That somehow believing by faith that when Jesus died, it counted for me. It counted for you. Think about that. The gospel demands a response. And so when we are called to worship rightly, remember, holy, 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 right? When we see God for who he really is, it shakes our foundation. And a little spoiler alert, verse 5 we cannot do the next point, if you're taking notes, <clears throat> show the world the glory of God, which is the second point. We can't show him the glory of God until we have turned and repented of our sin. Because you cannot show something to somebody you don't have. So next week we're going to get a little deeper in verse 5. But just real quick, spoiler alert, Isaiah is going to be going, woe is me. I am lost for I am a man of unclean lips, verse 5, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King of the Lord of hosts. When you see God for who he really is, it wrecks you. And you realize that you don't, I don't got it all together. I ain't got this. And we live in a world of two types of atonement, substitutionary and self-atonement. Self-atonement basically is, I'm going to do it myself. I got this, God. I've pulled my bootstraps up before. I've worked my way through this family dynamic that I have grew up in, and I'm going to get through this on my own strength, by my own willpower, my own education, my own resources. Here's the here's challenge, though. When we sin against an everlasting God, it will require an everlasting punishment. Self-atonement leads to everlasting punishment in a real place. Okay, oh, here we go again. We're going to be talking about hell and fire and brimstone. That's yeah, all you want to know. Because, you know, Jesus talks about hell quite a bit, actually. A lot. Why does he tell us that so much? Not to scare us, because he loves us. He loves us enough to tell the truth. Because God cannot be in the presence of sin. It, Peter says God doesn't wish for any of us to perish but for all of us to come to faith and repentance. God so loved the world that he gave. There's a lot of references to love. So please hear me. Don't just be like, oh my gosh, you're trying to scare me into heaven, you know, out of hell into heaven and stepping up. No, what I'm saying is, it doesn't matter how good I am. I will never be able to make the standard that God has. If I was perfect every moment for the rest of my life, I would never be able to make that standard. That's why Isaiah's going, oh my goodness, I'm a prophet and I am unclean. What the crud? Oh, snap. That's what he's basically saying. But you can do that and you will die but never die. You will just continually be dying and dying and never be dead in a continual place called hell. Or you can take the road of substitutionary atonement. Now, what does that mean? Which is what we celebrated last week in Resurrection Sunday. Think about this. When Jesus died on a cross, and you believe by faith that Jesus really lived, he really died, and he conquered the grave, that by faith that when Jesus died, it counted for you, he is taking your, he is substituting in your place. He is your substitute. 
He is atoning. He is satisfying the payment for our sin with his perfect sacrifice. Because the Bible says, this is why we take uh, communion, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. It takes a perfect, sinless, spotless sacrifice. That's why John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is that perfect sacrifice. He is wanting to take your place. And it had nothing to do with what you did. It's because he loved you in spite of who you were, in spite of who we were, that we were wretched, we were black-hearted, we were sinners. But yet, God loved us so much that he was willing to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves, amen? And that should change everything. And that should shake us. So when we have that time of, whew, before I can show this, I've got to receive it. I've got to turn from, my, from what I'm doing. I've got to repent. I was going this way. I've got to go this way now. And I've got to trust. I don't have it all together. I don't have it all figured out. But I know he does. And I'm going to trust you because you're a good father. The goodness of God. You keep running after me like the prodigal father when he sees you for a long way off. He runs after you because he loves you that much. See, God created us to point others to the reality of who he is and who he wants to be in their life. To point others to the goodness and glory of God. And now we, look, we get a glimpse. It says, now the whole earth is full of his glory. Wow. Here's the thing, though. Humanity keeps trying to fill its void with everything else. Romans chapter 1 talks about that. We end up worshiping the created versus the creator. We worship all the good things of God instead of the God who's the giver of all those good things. Remember, I told you this before. When a good thing becomes a God thing, that's a bad thing, right? So we, we don't want to continue worshiping those things and leading us astray, those distractions. Many times good things, good things. I got to have enough money in the bank. When is enough going to be enough? I got to have that right kind of house, those right kind of children or family, that right kind of marriage, this right kind of career, this right kind of degree. Um, whatever it is, when will it be enough? Our meaning as Christians is to point people to the hope in Christ in a broken, fallen world. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives us a great example of what it looks like here. We're going to kind of close with this. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. You're not just supposed to keep it to yourself. But on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. Verse 16, In the same way, let your light shine before others. Why? So that they may see your good works. And it's just about you. Good job, Pastor. That was a good message. I pray that you don't say that. And that. I want you to say praise God for what he's doing here. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's, a, it's us being used by God for his glory and others' good. Right? And when people point out, good job, thank you for what you're doing, praise God. Praise God that he can hit straight licks with crooked sticks. He can use me right where I'm at and use you right where you're at right now. Jesus calls us to be to live as a light in the world, doing good works. Why? To point people to God. So how do we show people the glory of God? By pointing them to Jesus. It should always point people back to Christ. Why? Because the Bible says he's the exact nature, the imprint of God. When you see Jesus, you see God. When you point people to Jesus, you're pointing people to God. 
when you're telling them the good news of who Jesus is, you are pointing them to the glory of God. And I love it when Peter says, always be ready to give an account for the hope that's within you. When people ask, how are you able to get through this? How are you able to get through this cancer? How are you able to get through this marriage difficulty? How are you able to get through all that's going on in Ukraine? How are you able to get through what's going on in COVID? I don't know. I'm just holding on by faith. Because his strength is made perfect in my weakness. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. I'm boasting in Christ, not me. That's what I want to pray for you today, wherever you're at. If God is truly holy and worthy of the glory, that should compel us to do something. It should compel us because the gospel demands a response. And you may be sitting there going, I don't know how he's going to use me. I don't know how he's going to use me. This is why we give generously to world missions. This is why we're starting this new series. Because every Christian is a missionary. Every Christian is called. One of the things I love about the disciples, it says in Acts, that they were uneducated men, but they had been with Jesus. You don't have to have a degree or seminary or a doctorate. God just wants to use you right where you're at, whether you're in the school bus line, cafeteria, the basketball court, the college campus, your marriage at the dinner table, at your workplace with your, with your co-workers, here at the church greeting people, maybe doing security. Maybe God's calling you to lead a life group. Maybe God's calling you to go to Ecuador. Maybe God's just calling you to take somebody out for coffee and pray with them. Maybe God's just calling you just to pray and be open to what he wants to do. Would you close your uh, eyes and bow your heads? Father God, as we enter this time of response, I think about Isaiah's response. And eventually he gets to that place where, he, where you say, who will we send? And, and Isaiah says, here I am, send me. And that's your prayer for all of us, Lord. But before we can be sent, we have to receive. We cannot give anything that we have not been we have received ourselves. And for some of us right now, Lord, we are at a crossroads in our life. We've been hurt by the church. We've been hurt by the world. And there's a lot of pain inside of us. And we have a hard time trusting people right now. Is this real? Is God the most real reality all my life? I don't know. I want to believe, but help me, Lord, in my unbelief. If that's you today, I pray that the Holy Spirit continues to soften your heart and open your eyes to who Jesus is. He wants to be your Lord. He wants to be your Savior. He wants to be your friend. He wants to be really what nobody else can be in your life. He wants to be enough. And Lord, as we continue this time of singing this, our song and our prayer partners are coming down to meet with those who want to pray, I pray that we would just be ready to do business with you and not just be waiting for the songs to go over so we can leave this place and do about our business. Because if we have not been shaken by you, then we are just going through the rat race of cultural Christianity, of the cul-de-sac of stupidity, of doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. We have to start something different. And I believe that we are being sent out for a mission to be your hands and feet to a broken world who desperately needs to know, does God love me? Yes, you do, Lord. We thank you for that love. We pray all this in Jesus' name and all God's people said.
Amen. Would you please stand as we respond to the gospel through worship? Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.